Welcome to another podcast from the Rotary and Community Service Radio Show, which is now in its 12th year. A show is heard every Friday between 6 and 8 p.m. on Community Radio Station 94.1 FM 3WBC and is also streamed live on the World Wide Web at www.3wbc.org.au. Here is a podcast of a live interview by Susie Cole, first played on the 8th of March 2019, International Women's Day, with Dharma Anderson of Vic Pole on domestic violence and other women's related issues. Now, I'm very excited to, to my first guest has arrived in the studio and I have to give you a bit of a preamble. I met Senior Sergeant Dharma Anderson when I organised uh, a homelessness forum for the Rotary Club of Paran. And I asked Vic Polt, please send me someone fabulous to talk about homelessness. And Dharma and I have been pals ever since. So welcome, Dharma, to the studio. Susie, it's fabulous to catch up with you again. And that was a really, really nice entree, wasn't it? <laughs> It was great and we've been walking ever since and keeping in touch. But I'm very sad that you're no longer stationed at the Paran um, Vic Pole. You've moved out west so we don't catch up for walks or anything any, anymore. But but uh, tell us a little bit about Dharma the girl, Dharma the lady, and then we'll talk about your policing. Okay, so I... Um it's actually hard to separate the two. I've been a policewoman for so long, probably more than half of my life. So I've done a lots of different roles in that. But I have a, um, a nice family, live out in the West. And um, I've been lucky enough to be returned to the West now in my fabulous new job, which is as a family violence training officer for Victoria Police. So it feels um, very good for me to go from command roles, operational policing, and now to be able to put that all back in a workplace educator role, great. We, we had a wonderful International Women's Day breakfast yesterday and one of the points that came out from the, the panel, which I'll talk about the panel a little bit later, um, was the effects of Ken Lay and, and really shining a spotlight on police and um, issues around gender and, and domestic violence. And uh, most of the audience yesterday were, you know, nice Rotarians who uh, at the last time we talked about domestic violence at a, at a club meeting and we were talking about one of the Brighton Rotary programs called... Um, family free um, yeah I can't remember exactly domestic violence anyway and it was apparent that a lot of the Rotarians said well we don't know anyone who's suffered from domestic violence and because they're all lovely humanitarians and, and, and good guys but when about half a dozen girls out of the, the population of about 20 raised their hands and said well actually yes you do a lot of the fellows there were horrified because they just didn't it's an invisible thing and they didn't realise that they actually knew people that had suffered from domestic violence. So what what's the latest thing that you've been observing and, and um, working on amongst the members? So what, um, what we know that um, Victoria Police responds to more than 75,000 family violence incidents per year. And um, so that means about an incident every seven minutes and that represents 40 to 60% of all of the work the frontline police do. That is horrendous. So whilst we, um, we are pleased to note that there is an increase in the number of family violence reports, we're pleased to note that because that indicates that there's a confidence in reporting to police, that yes. community education programs about you, um, violence being a crime, those messages are getting through. So we're thinking that we're, we're going well. But it's also kind of disheartening. 
Because it also kind of reflects that we um, we have got a significant issue in our um, in our community. Um, the figures reports to police are obviously only a fraction of overall offending. Um, lots of people in community face very traumatic circumstances and probably the nature of coercion and control in those relationships is leading them to even doubt that there is someone there to help or assist or support them. And we're only talking about instances where someone feels at, at risk physically. We're not talking about the domestic violence that could be more overt, like um, control financially or um, verbal abuse that may may not re, um, end up with someone picking up the phone and dialing triple zero. Yeah, in a, in a general sense, the calls to triple zero are for the extreme end when things have really gone quite a bit too far. Lots of research would tell us, however, that um, coercive control and um, financial control, emotional abuse, um, psychological abuse, they can actually have a far more damaging and debilitating effect on people. And um, these are surveys of the World Health Organization, Women's Health Surveys generally indicate um, that the corrosive effect on a woman's well-being and her capacity to raise children um, can be more debilitating than physical violence itself. So whilst it would not immediately be a cause for picking up the phone to triple zero um, for such matters, um, it's probably really worth emphasising that this is where community good can do well where um, bystander behaviour is not so welcome, but upstanders who actually sort of help and support people and put them in touch with um, the right people. I'm going to give you the safe steps number uh, because we might say it two or three times throughout the program. Excellent. I hope everyone's got a paper and pencil beside the the radio today. Not if they're driving, obviously. We can't condone that sort of behaviour. But yes, please do give us that number. So easy enough to remember, 1-800-RESPECT or one 800 Zero one five one double eight, one eight hundred zero one five one double eight. And who should call that number? In what in what circumstances? That is for that's the twenty four seven family violence support service. So people seeking advice or information around safety planning services in your area that you might wish to know. You need to make an escape plan. In a true uh, a crisis of immediate physical um, care or concern, you're probably still going to need to ring triple zero. And that can be neighbours, family, friends. But we really, really want to emphasise that there are support services. Policing response might not um, feel like the right response for your family. It might feel like there is a need for um, a more managed or supported response through service agencies. There's plenty out there. That's good to know because sometimes a, a gentleman or a lady in blue um, arriving at the front door may inflame the the perpetrator. I guess if if they think that you've been, you know, dobbing on them or or um, you know calling for help and and so on. But I mean, it's alarming, isn't it? The number of, of women that are still being killed by a domestic partner. Is it about one a week? I think the latest stats. Yeah, I probably. Um I find it slippery sometimes, the stats, but um, I believe the numbers are certainly up there with that. One of the things that we know um, through having done a a fair amount of analysis over the family violence reports that we've been to is often the best predictors of future harm have been how the response has been in the past. So what we started recognising was that some of our policing responses were um, potentially uh, not so helpful 
Um, what do you mean by that? So some of that was about it, it, that if police were actually um, attending, um, intervening, charging, but not listening fully to the stories of both of the parties, not necessarily providing solutions that were going to um, support safety, but simply following through processes and actions activities, that um, the parties were not finding that was useful and would never call police again. So this is a bit of a cultural piece that Vic Pohl have been doing now, kicked off in 2015 by the Victorian Human Rights and Equal Opportunity Commission review around... um, sexual harassment and predatory behaviour. And what Ken Lay commissioned that report because they recognised some some fair workplace harms were present within Victoria Police and they're related to attitudes and behaviours around um, sexual harassment and predatory behaviour. You report, mean in, in amongst members? Yeah. And, okay. and so whilst I recognise that I appear now to have jumped to quite a different topic, the two are intertwined. Because what we found with the um, – so what Verioc, um did for the Chief Commissioner was um, a range of confidential surveys, um, focus groups and analysis of all of our HR processes and practices. Over a, about a third of the whole of our workforce responded to those surveys. That's fabulous. And the data um, spoke to some really, really high levels of harms, some really, really problematic behaviour and most of it underpinned by some really, really poor attitudes and attitudes around gender, role and and power and control. Ken Lay and and his successor now, of course, Graham Ashton, recognised immediately that the way we treat each other was obviously going to play out also in the way we service our community. Absolutely. You can't just switch one off and become a good guy out in the field, can you? Exactly. And so – and it absolutely – needed to be a line under the sand and a great big culture piece to change over. So that's your new job now is to smarten them up? Well, so the second part of that was that we also ended up concurrently with the Family Violence Royal Commission and the some of the testimonials from, from victims were, yeah, were heartbreaking about mm. police attitude and approach and response. So um, the state government gave Victoria Police an amount of money to to enhance some of our family violence response and a part of that was the family violence training officers in every police division. Fantastic. So there's one of me in each police division and our role is purely the face-to-face workplace training, similar to the health model with yes. nursing staff and so forth. Are you noticing um, a shift in attitude? Are you are you noticing that people are questioning their previous behaviour and, and smartening up? Yeah, so it's a little bit... It's, it's less about a compliance model and more about having conversations about, well, you, you appear to have uh, done that. Uh, that appears to have uh, had a pretty bad outcome. What were you thinking then? What mm. was going through your mind in that, in that process and did you really think that was going to make things safer, good, bad, or otherwise? And by having conversations with people in a, in a coaching fashion as opposed to a compliance framework or a, um, a quite a hard-nosed approach, Finding or actually getting people to listen, to think and to actually self-reflect better. So I feel over time we're going to be able to have some pretty seismic shifts. Do you notice a difference when you have more females attending those kind of incidents where um, perhaps sometimes your female members may be a little bit more empathetic? Um, So I think sometimes we can make assumptions um, around gendered qualities 
Um, I, I hate the term and I use quotation marks, which for your listeners, but the soft skills. She's doing the little little finger marks now. <laughs> just to be, we, we're, we're not on the telly, but you can just no. imagine. <laughs> but um, the, the idea of soft skills or that only women would have those skills um, is sometimes a bit of a misnomer. So I'm probably finding that our strongest police in performance are the ones who have the capacity for empathy, the capacity to listen and the capacity to um, to be fair and impartial, not to believe that they actually have all the answers before they walk through the door. So that's not just with family violence. That is actually they are the strongest policing attributes that you can come with. Well, I guess if you're getting more uh, reported cases, it's showing a greater level of trust and, and that must be a, as a flow on the fact that, that people are now feeling that police are, are more effective when they're showing up to an incident like that than they perhaps were in the past. Absolutely. And the other um, probable big step change and in influence for us has been that the service sector has grown and been resourced and is quite skilled at supporting uh, women and children, people leaving violence and, and even uh, people who use violence as well. They can be both male and female. And in that, we then get feedback loops about what the police services look like. We also get information about what responses or actions or activities were effective um, and what were less effective at breaking the cycle of violence. Is there a common thread when, when all of these incidents that you're responding to, is there a common thread, like, you know, for, for a 101, of what really underpins these episodes? Is it, is it um, entrenched cultural um, blokey behaviour or are there a myriad of reasons? Um, we, it, it depends. There's actually two separate philosophical positions you might come from. There's a feminist framework of research which would um, be quite clear around uh, the gendered stru structures in our society, um, both at a, a global level and then more locally within families, definitely play out. And traditional gendered roles certainly have an impact. But there's also um, a fair amount of knowledge that we now have from the forensic sector which talks to us about... The reason people use violence will be related to their own attributes and the circumstances that they're in. And so it's an interaction thing. Those attributes, like a difficulty in managing emotion, the difficulties in, um, in actually coping with loss and grief and trauma are, um, are probably the features we see most of all. So we'll often see that. In, um, in situations of um, intergenerational trauma, people from so backgrounds, etc. The Rotarians that will be listening tonight um, are very involved in community activities and I think it's wonderful that you've got this resources and this number. Could you give them the number again? Yep. And, and perhaps they can sort of disseminate that number amongst community programs and projects that, that we do reach out to uh, communities on all different levels, uh, you know, at community markets, at, at things at, at housing estates and so on, where we, we, you know, if we suspect that there might be a need, we could promote that. What was that number again? Okay, so that's Safe Steps, Victoria's 24-7 Family Violence Support Service is one 115 Thank you. So the, the take-home, I, I think, um, for your Rotarians who are definitely wanting to achieve a change would be to remember that 
everyday sexism and be- attitudes and behaviours that belittle one person based on gender or, or being um, non-male or non-binary, they are just the start of a continuum of behaviours and attitudes and approaches that ultimately can end up in a violent outcome. So challenging everyday sexism, challenging um, behaviours or attitudes or approaches which belittle or, or look um, look down upon certain people because of their individual attributes, that's a pretty good starting point. Well, I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. And I, th- I think a lot of Rotarians um, are, are just struggling with this because within all Rotarians are just... let me say it simplistically, nice people who want to help people. And and I think they're quite shocked at the level of of danger some women are in in a domestic situation where they really feel there is no escape because they're trapped financially, they're trapped by, um, you know, cultural things and and so on. So it's it's really um, something that we're learning about. And and it's great that that you're training your members to to respond differently and to, to look towards solutions rather than just punitive measures, you know, cut dad off in the in the Black Mariah sort of thing and then when he comes home he's even more cranky and, and wants to kind of retaliate more. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about the heartbreaking case this week with that poor girl found in a suitcase because someone felt entitled because, you know, she wasn't going to have him anymore and, and no one else was going to have her. So, you know, that sort of attitude, I mean, really and truly, obviously that's the most dramatic end of it but... You know that sort of plays out in the in the press, but all the things that we don't hear about. Thank you for being on the front line of it. So, what else can Rotarians do to sort of sort of help in this way? So, um, the strongest the strongest advice for the everyday community is about that um, everyday sexism and and challenging attitudes and behaviours that are that are dangerous or derogatory. And the second part of it is that if you see something or um, which appears to be violence or disrespect, um, it mightn't always feel safe or comfortable to challenge that. But you can deflect or you can um, cough, you can by expression, you can um, by a light-hearted comment uh, say, yeah, that's that's not okay. That Yes, that's not funny. That's not funny. Um, people can come to you with advice or for seeking advice or, or with a bit of a story about, um, you know, the adult child who appears to have moved home with the older mother and appears to have no particular job and maybe there's some financial problems going on. Those situations that don't seem quite right, being a listening ear and offering a, um, a pathway to professional counselling and support for those people can be enough. I you guess don't it's have important to make not judgments. Alone. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. You don't have to make judgments about, oh, that's definitely elder abuse or that's exploitation or that's whatever. And you don't even have to be so um, so clear about in those sort of statements. But it's always useful to be a listening ear and to say, that really doesn't sound quite right. I think that you, you could probably do with some advice on that. And uh, and Seniors Rights Victoria for the elder elder abuse kind of um, context but I think the listening ear and the challenging or reframing behaviour that this doesn't look right this needs a, a bit of help and I can help you with that or let's find a solution 
I think that's fantastic because, I mean, Rotarians are people of action. I know that's one of our slogans, but we really are. And if we see situations like that, you know, we don't want to be frustrated that we don't know how to help. So thank you for those you know, tips and for, and for the number. Um, and thank you for training your members to, because really the old days of just, you know, threatening someone with being locked up and then, then nothing happening beyond that. I mean, our Violence-Free Families program uh, provides an online um, course basically for people people who have been, um, you know, in that situation who know that they have to change um, and it's a discreet way. But um, thank you. I, I think really we'd love to get you in again and talk about so many other issues that you work on. But for tonight, thank you, Senior Sergeant Dharma Anderson. And uh, I know you have to race into the city now and do a training course. And I know it took you 90 minutes to get to the studio tonight. I was hoping that you might come in with all guns blazing and your blue light flashing. But, but no, you've come in in mufti looking just like one of us. So thank you, Dharma. Thanks so much for having me, Susie. And uh, happy Women's Day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This podcast was presented by Susie Cole and produced by Ian Salek of Rotary District 9800 in Victoria, Australia. More podcasts can be found on iTunes by typing into your browser Rotary Radio, Doing Good in Victoria, or alternatively by going to the Rotary District 9800 website at www.rotarydistrict9800.org.au and clicking on Rotary Radio.